My name is Brandon Lemons, and I'm one of the pastors here at Freedom's Church. And if you are like me, it is so easy to get caught up in doing Christmas. Whether it's the decorating and shopping, or the parties and the concerts, or the church activities, or the family gatherings, it's all so much that by the time we get to December 26th, we may feel like just sitting down and saying, whew, I need a break. The thing is, Jesus did not come to earth just to make us busy or to give us traditions. So for the last month here at Freedom's Church, we've been focusing on not merely doing Christmas, but on being Christmas by allowing the work that Jesus began 2,000 years ago to continue in and through us. But tonight we're moving beyond simply doing Christmas or being Christmas. Instead, tonight we're focusing on the one who was Christmas. Because 2,000 years ago, Jesus was Christmas. Let me explain what I mean. Have you ever thought about the meaning of the word Christmas? Christmas comes from a combination of two different words. One, obviously, is Christ, which means a savior or deliverer. But the other word is the word mass. And if you think of the word mass, you may be thinking of, say, a church service, especially in a Catholic church. But the word mass comes from a Latin word called missa. Missa means to send. It's where we get our word mission. And so if you dig back far enough in history, the word Christmas literally means the sending of Christ. And that is what we are here tonight to celebrate, that in the fullness of time, God sent his son into the world. Will you please join me in prayer? Our Father, we thank you that you so loved the world that you did send Jesus, ultimately to redeem us, Lord. What a blessing it is to be able to gather together tonight to celebrate And I pray that whatever else is going on in our minds, even though I know that we have a lot of things in our minds, a lot of things that have been going on, things we have perhaps even later tonight and tomorrow, Lord, help us in this time to focus in on you and to worship you because you are worthy of all praise. And we thank you for Jesus. And we lift this time up to you now in his name. Amen. I invite you to stand as we continue to sing our praises to our Lord. Every minute... 250 babies are born into this world. If you average that, that's more than four babies per second being born. And just like every other baby, Jesus entered this world through the birthing process. But unlike every other baby, Jesus' beginning was not in a womb. Let me read for you how the Apostle Paul puts it in Galatians chapter 4, verse 4. He says that when the fullness of time had come... God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law. So we see here that God sent his son. And to be sent requires some sort of journey. You think about it, if you send a Christmas card, it travels via the postal service from one location to another. Or if your job sends you on a business trip, you travel from one location to another. Being sent requires some sort of journey. Now, as we already talked about tonight, we're focusing on how Christmas is about the sending of Christ. Jesus was already alive in heaven, and God the Father sent him to this earth. And so we see that Jesus was sent from heaven to earth. And this is a transition that is more dramatic than anything we could ever possibly imagine. But let me help put put this into context for us of what it would be like to be sent from such a glorious place to a place... Not quite so glorious as heaven. Imagine with me the Queen of England, Queen Elizabeth. Can you imagine her moving out of Buckingham Palace with its 775 rooms 
and then moving into a shanty town of India and living there for 33 years. Can you imagine that? Now you may be thinking, looking at that picture, nope, I cannot imagine that. She's 90 years old there. I can't imagine her growing up to be 123. No, I can't imagine that. So rewind a little bit to when she was younger, say 26 years old. Can you imagine her at that point leaving the royalty of England and traveling and living for 33 years in the shanty town of India? I, I don't think we can really get our minds around that type of thing. But the journey that Jesus took was even more dramatic than that because Jesus was God, the, the supreme being of the entire universe, and he stepped off his heavenly throne and took the form of a little baby. He was born to poor teenage parents, and he was dependent upon them for basic things like food, for diaper changes, for travel. He had to be carried around until he was old enough to walk. And then you look at all these types of things, how he is the king of kings. He was so much more powerful than Queen Elizabeth ever has been. Yet his first bed was a feed trough for livestock. It's simply shocking to consider this idea of what Jesus did in stepping from heaven to earth. So we have to ask the question of why did Jesus do that? Why would he step off his heavenly throne? Because whenever something is sent, it is sent for a particular reason. I mean, think, you don't just go down to the post office with an envelope and hand it to the, the person there at the window and say, can you send this somewhere? I mean, if you say it that ambiguously, they're probably going to say, okay, where do you want me to send it? You say, I don't care. Send it wherever you want. How would they respond to that? They'd probably be like, you know what? You're kind of crazy here. We need to know where you want to send it. Okay, what's the reason that you're sending this? Because whenever you send something, there's a reason that you're doing so. And it's the same with Jesus. There's a reason that he was sent from heaven to earth. And the reason was that he was sent on a mission to redeem us. Again, Paul said that God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those under the law. So God's law is his perfect moral standard of which we have all fallen short. And this creates multiple problems. One of the problems is that when we fall short of God's moral standard, that's called sin. And sin severs our relationship with God and also earns us the spiritual death penalty. So a part of redeeming us required that Jesus, when he grew up, would die on a cross to pay our death penalty in our place in order to reconcile us with God. And so that is a part of the redemption process. And it's important that we receive that gift. It's a gift. It's important that we receive that gift by faith. Romans chapter 6, verse 23 says that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So, so reconciliation with God could be a gift given to us through faith in Christ, not trusting our own religious activities or our own good deeds to earn us favor in God's sight, but trusting in what Christ has done on the cross on our behalf. So that's one of the problems that sin creates is it separates us from God, but it creates other practical problems as well, including that we end up looking to any variety of things for a sense of meaning and our sense of significance, but things that can never ultimately fulfill us. We may look to our accomplishments, to our popularity, to our sexuality, to our money and possessions. And thing is, these things, if we are looking to them for ultimate sense of identity and significance and security, they will let us down. I really like the way that the actor Jim Carrey put it 
when Jim Carrey said, I think everybody should become rich and famous and do everything they dreamed of so they can see that it's not the answer. It's not the ultimate answer where we're going to find our sense of identity, significance, and security in life. But I think of all the things I've looked to for a sense of self in my life. I mean, these pictures just kind of show a few of those different things, whether possessions or accomplishments academically or athletically. It's easy to pursue a lot of things in this world, but they can never ultimately satisfy us. They're not bad in and of themselves, but they weren't meant to be that source of identity, that sense of meaning in our lives. And I'm thankful that when I was in college, a friend talked with me about Jesus. He told me about how Jesus could reconcile me with God, and that gives me a new sense of life, a new sense of of purpose. Because without Jesus, we end up uh, just kind of spinning our tires as we're trying to get some traction in terms of what is the purpose of our life, what is our ultimate meaning here. But Jesus came to restore our relationship with God and restore that sense of purpose for which We are living. Now Jesus, he came in this world to redeem us. And he came in a way that is simply breathtaking. The skit that we saw earlier with the angels, it's, you know, it's a bit unrealistic. Yet at the same time, I think it captures well how outlandish it was for God to take on human form. And as we consider this idea of the birth of Christ, God stepping off his throne, coming into this world... Not just coming in the form of a baby, but ultimately dying in our place. I think that to say that we celebrate Christmas is a bit too tame. Because we celebrate things like birthdays and graduations. We celebrate things like retirement. We celebrate football victories. And those are all decent things to celebrate. But the birth of Christ is on a completely different level. So I think a more appropriate response when we look at the birth of Christ is just to stare dumbfounded. Lost in a sense of awe and wonder, a sense of love and adoration and worship. 2,000 years ago, Jesus was sent into this world. And as I said earlier, the appropriate response to that is one of worship and awe. So the question for us tonight is this. How does Jesus impact us? How does Jesus impact us? I've heard it said that Jesus is kind of like a cue ball on a pool table. And that everything that the cue ball hits on that pool table, it sends in a new direction. Every time it hits another ball on that pool table, it breaks up old patterns that that are there on the table. It sends those balls off in a new direction. And this is what you see when Jesus is interacting with people in Scripture. There are some people, when they see who Jesus is claiming to be, that they get furious and they want to try to kill him. Others, when they understood that Jesus was God in human form. They were terrified. They were freaked out and they told Jesus to get away from me. But there were others when they saw Jesus for who he really is. They were drawn to him. And they dedicated their lives to following him with everything that they had. And so the question is for us, what direction will Jesus send us in our lives? Because he certainly did not step off his heavenly throne just to be given lip service or just to receive our apathy and our indifference. You see, Jesus came. He lived a perfect life. And he he died. He was resurrected to open a way for us to experience new life and reconciliation with God 
and also to experience a sense of purpose, identity, significance, security that nothing in this world can offer. And he offers these things to us as gifts. So the question is, will we receive that gift? My prayer is that each one of us will receive that gift by faith, by trusting Christ, by surrendering to him, by choosing to prioritize him in all that we do. Because there is nothing that compares to the greatness of knowing Jesus. Now, if you would like to just learn more about what this type of relationship with Jesus looks like, I encourage you to pull out the connection card from your bulletin. You can fill it out. There are a couple things that you can check in terms of boxes for requesting a free book or other um, resources. We'd love to get things into your hands to help you learn what this looks like to have this type of life-giving relationship with Jesus. You can drop that, that connection card in the offering plate in a few moments, or after the service, there's a box at the Welcome Center as well. Because again, nothing compares to the greatness of knowing Jesus. 2,000 years ago, a Savior was sent to this world. That was a breathtaking event that led to an extraordinary life, death, and resurrection. And may the work that Jesus began 2,000 years ago continue in our lives today, throughout the rest of our days on this earth, and on into eternity. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you were so willing to step off your heavenly throne and come into this world. The reality of what that would have been like is something that boggles our minds. Lord, may we not just give you lip service. I'm thankful that we're able to gather together this evening, but Lord, I pray that we will really receive that gift and receive that new life that you offer us. And that we will walk in that experience, the purpose that you have set out for us, Lord. And we thank you for the blessing of being able to participate in your, your purposes here in this world. And so now as we bring back to you a portion of the resources that you've entrusted to us in this offering, Lord, we pray that you will use these resources to help more and more people around our community and around this world experience the life that only you can give us. We love you and thank you for your great love for us and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.